So we're going to continue on our sermon series for called Experiential Discipleship. And as we noted last week, this is a this is a different type of sermon series because it's coming from a lot of years of study and it's not, you know, uh, coming totally out of uh a specific scripture that the whole thing, you're going to see it in one specific scripture, you won't. Um, you're going to see it through all kinds of different pieces of scripture. And I feel comfortable with that because, frankly, we believe in the Trinity. We believe that's good theology, but you never find a scripture verse that says, here is the Trinity. You understand the Trinity because you've read and studied the Bible and, and you go, oh, well, if A equals B and B equals C and C equals A, they are all one. And they are all separate. And so we get that from reading the scripture. And so we get this experiential discipleship model from reading scripture. And so that's a, it's very important. It is rooted in scripture. And I just wanted to, uh, to, to just emphasize that because it's, it's so, it is so important. God is showing a way in scripture that he disciplines and transforms our lives. So if during the message you feel like something's come up where you want to text in a question, I will be getting to them t- um, towards the end of the message. And uh, we've been getting lots of questions that are, that are really relevant and really good. And so you can do that right on the messages, uh, right on today's message bit of your tablet. And at the bottom, it says submit a question or a comment, and we'll get to them. The promise of God is always good. To trust in God is to take a risk. To follow God is to be challenged. To question God is to explore him in uncertainty. The mission of God is fulfilling, and the promise of God is always good. And what you see when you see this this set of verse, you see a cycle that's happening that starts with promise and continues back into promise. And we go around this cycle again and again. And last week I talked about how this is a different experience than the typical discipleship model, which is linear, which is you do A, B, C, D, E, and then you're at the end. You have achieved what it is to be a disciple. You are right there, and you are separated from the rest. And so in this model, you, you achieve all five of these. You go through all these as God leads you through them, and then he leads you through them again. So you are never separated from your community. You are never far ahead or far behind. You are actually equals experiencing the same God doing the same thing. And so it's really important that we understand that because as we want to disciple others, as we want to grow with others, we actually do it through sharing our lives together because God is doing something in our life. It's not me being, you know, oh, I'm the guy in charge and I'm leading the charge. No, it is God doing work and we're in it together. God is doing work and we're in it together. So let me pray and we are going to, uh, to dive right into um, promise and trust today. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you do not call us to be apart from each other, but you call us to be a unified body together. Jesus, I thank you that you have called your church to experience you. I thank you that you have called your church to understand your revelation and how you show yourself. And Jesus, today as we step into the second part of this four-part sermon series, 
I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds. Help us understand what you're doing in our life and what you're doing in the lives of people around us and help us understand that we are together. In Jesus' name, amen. So God has always given good promises. This is one of the themes of the Bible, and it's really easy to pick out. Really easy to pick out. In, in the first book of the Bible, we've got a bunch of them just throwing down one after the other. Genesis, we've got, we've got God promises to Adam and Eve that he will crush the serpent. He will destroy the evil that has entered into the world. Noah has been promised, I will spare your family. I'm going to spare your family, and that's a good thing. God's promises are good. Abraham, I will bless the world. I will bless the entire world. All nations will be blessed through your offspring. Um, Moses, I'm going to send my people to the promised land. Jacob, you will be the head, not the tail. We've got, we've got David. I'm going to establish your kingdom for all eternity. We have promises of God again and again and again. We have, we have promises of God that are also negative. If you do not follow my commandments, I will take you from this place. I promise. And, and the promises of God, they, that is good because they're understanding, okay, well, this is, this is where God is going. He is consistent and he is powerful. It's not just a sunshine God. It's a God that is real. Last week, we talked about testimonies, how they allow us to see God's, how God directs the development of his children. And we talked about it was God's purpose to direct the development of his children. And it came from Proverbs. And so... What we're going to do today is we're going to read 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 5. And this is an example of God's promise that calls someone into risk. So I'm going to read it and then I'll talk about Samuel's history a little bit. 1 Samuel 16 says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over all of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I can't say that word. The, the man from Bethlehem. For I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint him for me. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So Samuel has a significant history. He was born um, from a mother who was barren, who made a promise to God that when she was given a son, that she would give him back to the Lord. And so Samuel was born, and as soon as Samuel was weaned, Samuel moved full-time to live in the temple of God. 
And so Samuel grew up hearing God's voice. We see that early on in the book of Samuel. He grew up hearing God's voice, he, and he was trusted by Israel. He was the person who anointed Saul as king. He was the person who's walked through with Israel over, through so many things. And so Samuel has a trusted voice in the town. That's why he was, he was approached with like terror, because they were concerned that the, that the word of the Lord was going to be against them. And so do you come peaceably? Yes, I come peaceably. And so, so Samuel was a man who had done things who all of Israel looked to as this is the man of God. He hears from God. And Samuel knows that because of Saul's disobedience, that God has removed his favor from Saul. Saul is now out as king, although he still holds the role God is not with him any longer. And so, and we see that in, in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. So Samuel has the respect of the people as the man of God, but he is doing something that amounts to treason. God is saying to him, go anoint another king while the existing king still lives. Now, Samuel knows because of previous cycles of going through his own, we'll call it discipleship, his own experience, that he needs to trust the word of God. God has promised right here. In verse 2, God has promised that says, um, oh, sorry, in verse 1, I have provided myself a king among his sons. And the promise of God is always good, and to trust in God is to take a risk. But in verse 2, Samuel has to take a potentially mortal risk because he's being, called to act, he's being called to an act of treason. And so Samuel recognizes the risk. How can I do this? If Saul knows, he will kill me. So the promise of God is always good. I have a new king. Israel's not going to fall apart. But to trust in God, even though Samuel knows again and again and again that God is good and God will do things and it's all going to work out in the end and everything is fine, he's still scared poopless. I don't know if you're allowed to say that from a pulpit. But I don't have a pulpit, so I'm okay. He's still, he's still scared out of his mind because what he has just been asked to do could cost him his life. The promise of God is always good, but to trust in God is to take a risk. My question is, when was the last time you did something or had to do something that involved trusting in God that was a little bit risky? When was the last time that, that, you got, that, that God put something on your heart that said, hey, I've got this good thing? It might be small, it might be big, but he's called you to step out and he's called you to trust him and he's called you to say, hey, I want to do something in your life. I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. And God is consistently calling us into deeper levels of trust. He's calling us into a place where we can hear his voice, where we can get a sense from his scripture, where we might hear his voice inside of a sermon or inside of a Bible study that we're at or just inside of the shower. And it's a good thing that we hear his voice. And then he goes, but trust me. But trust me. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, 
Canada's Wonderland opened in 1981. And Canada's Wonderland is a lot of fun. I used to work there. There are other people here that used to work there. And it's a great place to be, a ton of fun. And, uh, but I wasn't always into roller coasters. And so I vividly remember Dragonfire, which is the green coaster at the front of the park. And the first time I ever went on Dragonfire, it was my first upside-down roller coaster. Now, Wonderland has been open since 1981. Dragonfire is an original four roller coaster. It has a 78-foot drop, and the train travels at 50 kilometers an hour. It has two loops and two inversions and a corkscrew. You go upside down four times. And I was terrified. Nobody else in the line is terrified because they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that nobody has been seriously injured on Dragonfire ever. It's actually not dangerous. You are going to be okay. But I'm taking a risk. The risk is perceived. I'm, I'm strapping myself into the front of that car. I don't know why my friend, I don't even remember who I was with, told me I needed to be in the front. But I'm in the front, and I'm stra and the big yellow bar comes down. It's the first time I've ever put one of those heavy lap bars on, and click. And then I'm waiting because they start checking the seats at the front. I can't see what's going on behind me. I'm waiting. And I'm thinking every single scenario that could go wrong that is outside of my control. Everything that could go wrong. The lap bar, when I go upside down, could flip open and I could fall out. I've got a vision of me hanging from this roller coaster upside. It's just like, yo! And it's just keep it on going. And so, so then I'm like, okay, so what happens if I drop when I'm at the top? Will the train catch me on the bottom? Right? Like, this is what's actually going through my mind when I am on the roller coaster. I am wondering all these crazy things that are never going to happen in real life because really, you can trust Dragonfire. Do we see the parallel here? Because you can trust God. And for hundreds and thousands of years, people have trusted God, and he does not let them, let them go. But I still know the risk. I still know that in that moment that I am stepping out and I'm going to do something that now I require God to come alongside of, I know, what if he doesn't? I know he's going to, but what if this kills me? What if this is the last thing I do? And God says, trust me. Trust me. Do you trust me? When was the last time I stepped out into, into risk? I remember I was, uh, I was leading a retreat at Camp Wajidawin. And uh, it was a great retreat. We had a guest speaker there. And the guest speaker spoke to the youth leaders before the service and said, youth leaders, you guys are going to speak the words of God over the youth at the end of the service. That's what's going to happen here. My youth leaders, their eyes shot open really wide. And they were like, you're going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do what? And the, and the pastor said, you are going to speak 
speak the words of God that God gives you to the youth tonight? And they were like, I, I, I don't even hear the words of God. I don't know what you're talking about. And they're terrified. And they're terrified. And the youth pastor said to me on the side, uh, he, said, he said, Rob, we grow in our faith when we step into things that we can't control and we need God to step up. We need God to come alongside us and do something. And so the, the sermon went and everything was good and God was clearly doing things because God is faithful and he always does things. And so, so God is working and then the, the, the pastor calls the youth leaders up and says, come. And he prays for them and he says, God, give them your words to speak over the youth. Let scripture come to their mind. Let words of love and encouragement and peace come to their mind. Let words of calling come to their mind that they would come and speak to the youth. And my youth leaders, I talked to them afterwards and they were like, all of a sudden, God just started, bam, there it is, there it is, there it is. They start picking out youth and they start talking to youth. And when I've spoken to the youth, this is years ago, I've spoken to so many of those youth later where they've said, something happened that day. God spoke through these youth leaders changed my life. Guys, we serve a God who asks us to trust him and not just sit in our normal, but he says, here's a promise, you can trust me. Sounds so surreal, but there was a risk in doing what they were asked to do. They could have looked like fools. See, God promises good things. He promises to, to live with us and make everything right. He promises to live with us, to be with us. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And I'm going to make everything right. In your life, there are evils that you participate in. You guys observe all kinds of evils in the world. It doesn't take a lot to think of the evils that are going on in the world. But in our lives, we even participate in those evils. We know that there are things that we do that, that you know, it felt good, but it wasn't the right thing and it actually causes more harm down the road and sometimes we beat ourselves up over them but God is the one who promises a good thing and he promises to make it right and he says on the cross of Jesus Christ I forgave your participation with evil I forgave every instance every moment that you did something that, was, that in any way contributed to the evil in the world, I forgave it on the cross. Because that's part of what I am doing to make everything right. That's one step in making everything right. And this is the good news of Jesus. This says, this says you know what? God forgave me from every participation with evil. And the Bible says that if you simply believe that, and you say, okay, I'm with you on the, on. on coming with you in making everything right. I'm with you. I'm following your lead. It's at that moment that you could say, I am now a follower of Jesus. I am now a Christian. This is the difference. This is what it is. There's nothing extra special about a Christian. It's just simply, I've accepted the forgiveness of God for every way that I've contributed to the evil in the world. And that's a promise that God has promised to forgive us and make everything right but it takes us to trust that. And that will be your first experience in discipleship when you, when you hear the promise and you respond in trust and you say, yeah, 
I trust that. But it's not your last. It's not your last. He'll take you through other points where, where there's a promise and then there's a trust. See, we experience, as God, we experience God's promises according to these two biblical paradigms that I have on the screen right now. And it's showing to us, God with us is, is showing to us in the temple or in the tabernacle when, when Israel is walking through um, on their way from Egypt to the promised land, there's a tabernacle and the tabernacle is in the dead center of their encampments every single time. And the tabernacle is the presence of God. In the tabernacle is the presence of God, and God is with them in the center of everything they do. And then w- we see it in the temple. We see it in the temple where, where, we, where we have God at the center of the Mount Zion, which is the holy hill. Everything points up to the temple mount where God lives. And then we see him in Jesus where the presence of God is with us. God is with us. And so the, the next promise of God making everything right is shown through the law. God says, hey, there's a lot going on. The world around you totally lives in in its own chaos. But I have a way that actually sets everything right, where humanity actually lives at peace among themselves, where they love God, love each other. And this is the law. And he shows it. And then he says, not only through the law, but I also do it in the person of Jesus, where you couldn't actually, because of the presence of evil, you couldn't live up to all the standards of the law. And so I sent my my son Jesus to forgive you for your participation with evil. And to continue to work in you through the, through the Holy Spirit. And when I return, I'm removing all evil. This is what the promises of God are. And he calls us to trust them. He calls us to trust them in whole new and amazing ways. There's another point of, of promise that we see, but it's in the New Testament. Acts chapter 1, 6 to 9 is where we see the first set of promise. I just have to get there. Here's Acts Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. So when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons the Father's fixed in his own authority, but here's the promise. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he's promised that the Holy Spirit will come and that, and that we will receive power to do the work of God to, to foreshadow the fulfillment of those promises. He said, this is what's happening and it's going to take you, you trusting this. And in that experience of trust, there's, a, there's an element of risk where I'm like, God, okay, you said you've got the Holy Spirit to empower me. Is it, is it now? Is it right now? Am I empowered to do something? Is, is, are these the words that you want me to speak? Have you given me the words that I need to speak into this situation right now? I'm going to open my mouth. I'm about to do something that's countercultural. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to talk about your gospel. I'm going to talk about what you've done. Are you, are you really right there? And God's like, yeah, of course I am. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. See, the risk here, as we see in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit does come upon them. In Acts 2, 1 to 4, says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they're all together in one place. They actually suggest that this may have actually been on the Temple Mount in, in one of the upper rooms of the temple. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sit- sitting. Well, that sounds like a great thing of God. And it divided tongues, and as, as of, and divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on, on each one of them. Amazing. 
This sounds like the promised fulfillment. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They did what? They started to speak in other languages? Okay. So I'm at a church service. And all of a sudden, something happens, and now I'm supposed to start speaking in another language. Now, in this case, it's other languages that people understood because as they start speaking, they're speaking loud enough that other people are hearing They're loud enough that the people outside the room that they're in are hearing people praising God in multiple languages. Okay, that's a little bit over the top for my comfort level. Except for God, when when, when we trust him, he goes, no, 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 I'm doing something. Follow through with this. I don't care if it makes you look silly. Follow it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow. I'm going to do, I'm going to trust what God has done. I'm going to set that feeling of risk aside. I'm going to take that risk. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to lock into to the dragon fire. I'm going to allow myself to go on that ride. And at the end of that ride, when I got off of the dragon fire that day, I was like, so good. That was so much fun. It was amazing. And when I step out and follow God because I trusted his promise, I'm not kidding. Every single time, every single time something small or big has come in my life where I've stepped out and I've taken a risk to follow the promises of God, I come out and I'm like, oh, yeah. How good is that? How good? How good is it to follow God, to take that risk, to get that surge of life and just be like, this is why I'm following Jesus. This is so good. So good. Maybe you've had moments in your life where you've experienced that, where something was so good because you trusted God. My challenge today is share the stories. Share the stories, guys. We as a community are, are lost at points because we don't share the stories of what God did. Because when I just shared the story of, of that excitement that I feel when following God, I saw smiles light up all across this room. And what it does, it builds faith. And it builds hope. And it says, yeah, I might not have felt anything from God lately. I might be in a dark season right now. I might be going through a different part of the experiential wheel. But I know somebody's riding that wave. God is doing something in this room, in this place. God is constantly working. And right now, I'm in something hard. And I need to hear that somebody has experienced something that is good of God. And that God has once again been faithful. And so we need to share those stories. There's three quick verses that I want to share with us. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. We've, we've talked about it a lot here. And it is, it's part of the Shema. And this one says, um, You shall teach these things diligently to your children. You should talk of them when you're sitting at, at, in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Talk of it. My faith was born through my father's stories. My father was an adult, Christ, an adult convert, and he used to tell me stories all the time. And, and man, the stories that he would tell. One day, he, his battery died um, in his car, and he parked his car in a, in, a, in a gas station. No, his battery didn't die. He ran out of gas. But, or something had broken on his car. And he goes into a gas station, and he lives in Oak Ridges. He goes into a gas station, leaves, leaves the car at the gas station. 
And he walks home about a kilometer and a half, knowing that the, sh- that the garage is going to open in the morning. He goes back to the garage in the, in the morning, and, uh, and his battery had been stolen from his car. And the, and the manager of the garage knew my dad because everybody in the Oaks knew each other back then. And, uh, and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that this happened. And my dad, my dad felt this peace of God. He was a brand new Christian, felt this peace of God and said, oh, don't worry. God's just blessed somebody with a battery because they needed it. It'll be back. It'll be what? The manager's like, you crazy. You are crazy. 45 minutes later, somebody pulls into the lot, takes a battery out of their car, puts it back on my dad's car. Manager comes out and says, What's going, what is this? And he goes, sorry, my battery died last night and I needed to get home. And so I took the battery out of this car, put it in my car, got home, and I knew I was going to bring it back today. Get what? Okay, stories like this make a faith grow bold. We need our stories. Watch for what God is doing in your life. Revelation 12:11 says, um, and I did skip the, the Jude reference, but Revelation 12:11 says, "They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony." Sometimes the church is not overcoming because we don't talk enough about what God has done. I'm going to uh, ask a question. So is it fair to say that it only feels risky because you don't trust God? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I've been on this journey of trusting God for a very long time in ways that have led me into full-time ministry. <laughs> and as I go through the cycle, the calls to risk just get bigger. Oh, Rob, here's a cool idea. You have a great job. That's lovely. You've worked there for 10 years. There's total job security. Everything is good. Quit. Go to your master's degree. You went to what? I have two little children. It's fine. Just go do it. Oh, then you're going to plant a church. It'll be good. Don't worry. Okay. I'll let you know. Yeah. I'm still in that cycle, guys. I'm still right there. I live there. But God is good. Let me pray. God, give us boldness to share amongst ourselves the stories of you. Why are we Christian? Why are we here? We're here because you've done something. You've called us to something. We've experienced something. Help us put words to our experiences so that we can encourage each other, build each other up in our most holy faith. (laughs) And honestly, as we start speaking... God, I know that we start speaking to others outside the church and they come to you. Jesus, today, if there's somebody here who says, hey, I've never, I've never taken a trust step in the promises of Jesus to remove the sin and evil from my life, God, I pray that you would, that you would work in them, that they would take that step even today, that they would take that cognitive spiritual step that says, I I choose to trust. I choose to trust. And I will follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life, and I will let you transform the evil out of me. In your name, amen.